Are you ready? Are you ready for Christmas? Because uh, it's here, it's here. How many of you, how many of you have all of your Christmas shopping done? Raise your hand, all right. Few of you. How, have you, how many of you uh, have some plans tonight to get some of that last minute Christmas shopping done? Anybody, anybody? Uh, we were, our family was out this morning. We thought we were done. I don't know if you ever had this moment where you think you're done and then you start counting up presents and you're like, oh, we're not done. We've got uh, some uh, fairing up to do. We've got to make sure everybody gets the, the fair amount of presents. So uh, we, were, we were out this morning uh, to do that. I, I, want to, uh, I want to encourage you, uh, January 1st, we're going to be having church and it is going to be amazing. We're going to start off 2023 the best way it can be. That's a little rhyme. It's a little rhyme. We're tired on that. I do, I do want to encourage you to, uh, to be here. Uh, uh, January 1st falls on a Sunday, and that doesn't happen every year. Um, in fact, it's only happened four other times in my lifetime. Everybody say, wow. That's pretty amazing, right? It's a pretty amazing thing, and, and I think it's a great opportunity. I really do. Starting off the year in church seeking the Lord. I want to encourage you to be here, invite a friend, start this year off. We're going to have a dedication service. All right, but we're not dedicating a building. We're not dedicating any babies. We're going to be dedicating ourselves. And so we're going to be dedicating the year to God. And I want to encourage you to be a part of this because there's nothing better uh, than starting your year off seeking God. I really believe this. How you start things matters, right? How you start relationships matters. How you start a job matters. How you start a race matters. And how you start your year matters. So I want to encourage you to be here be here for 2023. We're going to start off. It's going to be fire. So turn to three people and say, you need to be here. Come on, tell three people you need, you need to be here. You need to be here. You really do. It's going to be fantastic. Um, all right. I just want to take a few moments and I want to talk to you about a, a very familiar Christmas story. All right. You, you've heard this a lot. You've heard this idea a lot. And this is, this is something that, um, that every good nativity has. Okay. So an ingredients for a good nativity, you've got the shepherds, right? got the shepherds, you've got Mary and Joseph, of course you got to have baby Jesus, right, Mary, baby Jesus, a couple animals, hopefully, and then you've got three dudes that are dressed kind of funny, known as the wise men. This section was really participatory, this section I'm going to need a little bit more, they were known as the wise men, okay, in center, you totally left me hanging there, they were known as the wise men, okay, so you have shepherds, you have Mary and Joseph, baby Jesus, and the wise men, or magi. And what they bring to Jesus at that first Christmas is they bring gifts. And gifts are something that we still involve in Christmas today, right? Like gifts are a big part of Christmas. In fact, we got our Christmas tree set up Thanksgiving week, and uh, we had it set up. We didn't even put any decorations on it, uh, but we had it set up, and, uh, and I had gone down early. I got up early and was laying on the couch in my little uh, four-year-old daughter at the time, she came down the steps and she was just like kind of sneaking up uh, to the tree. I was very interesting. I was watching her. You know, have you ever had that moment where like they're doing something like, oh, I can't wait to see what happens here. And so she just like sneaking up to the tree and, and she just was like looking, looking. And I go, Eden, she turns around, she goes, she goes, where are all the presents? I said, Eden, we just got the tree up. Like, you know, Christmas isn't for another month. She goes, oh, no. That's going to take for ages. And I was like, yes, it will take, it will take for ages. Uh, when, you, when you're little, 
That's, that's what Christmas is, right? It's, it's all about the presents. And then, you know, how many parents know, like, when the littles open up their presents, it's kind of like fast and furious, you know, 16. You know, it's like fast, it's like as, many, as fast as they can open those presents and on to the next one. They almost get like a Nakomotose steak where they don't even realize what they're doing. Parents, you know what I'm talking about? Like, drives you crazy. Because you're like, I wrapped that. <laughs> I spent money on that. You're going to enjoy that. And so what we've kind of done is like when they open the present, like they're going to open up the present and then they're going to go like stand by the person who gave them that present, give them a big hug, tell them three things they like about that present. (laughs) We're going to drag this thing out. We're not just going like through the presents because when you're young, it's all about getting presents. But, But when you get older, how many of you know it's about giving presents? Some of you are like, no, it's still about getting presents for me. <laughs> we'll pray for you. I'm going to pray for you. Um, it's about giving presents because there's nothing more fun than getting that perfect gift, right? When you, when you package the perfect gift, it's like you pick it out. You're like, you were paying attention when they, they were saying, like, in June, they were like, oh, I just really wish I could have one of those. And you're like, noted. <laughs> and then at Christmas, they open it up, and you're like, and they're, they're going, oh, I can't believe, you remember, oh, thank you. You're like, yes. There's nothing better than getting the perfect present because how many of you know there's nothing worse than getting a present you're not really excited about? Have you ever been in that situation? Maybe I'm forecasting what's gonna happen in the next 48 hours for some of us. <laughs> you know, it's like mom tried really hard. She was so excited to get you a gift and, and, you, and you, you open it up. And you're like, oh, this is going to be so great. And you open up and it's a Chiefs jersey. You're like, this is amazing. You take it out and it's a Tyreek Hill jersey. <laughs> She's like, it was amazing. I got it on sale. There were a ton of them. <laughs> Thanks, mom. Or like when someone's like, they give you a present that is like trying to improve you a little bit. Have you ever had like a gift? It's like an improvement gift. Like you open it up, it's like a can of extra strength deodorant. Like I could tell like the regular strength wasn't cutting it, so I, I took care of you. You're like, thanks. Or, you know, maybe like, hey, it's been a, you know, a difficult year. You put on a few, you know, extra LBs and uh, that you open up a present and it's uh, a South Beach diet cookbook <laughs> with some keto friendly snacks in there. You're like, thank you. Thank you very much. You know, Scott, what are you talking about? Where, where are you going with this? I, I, want, I want to set the table for our, our talk today because that's exactly what happens at the first Christmas. When the Magi come and they present their gifts to Jesus, they give two gifts that make a ton of sense. And then they give one gift that's like, what? Record scratch. Everybody's like, are you, are you sure? Are you sure this is what you want to give Jesus? That is like... You know, be, you know, beginning moments here on this planet, like this is what you want to give. But what it, what it ends up being is something very beautiful. And I want to take a few moments. I want to talk about this story because this story isn't just a, a, a couple of guys or a couple of people giving gifts to, to a baby or a child at their birth. This is actually the key to life. The key to life is found in these three wise men or, or the magi uh, at, at this first Christmas. So we're gonna, we're gonna talk about this. We're gonna look at a great story of life change and they're gonna walk away better 
as a result. So if you're ready to jump into this story, say I am. All right, let's do it. Okay, before, we're gonna look at Matthew chapter two. So if you have your Bibles, if you wanna turn to Matthew chapter two, if you have your phones, we're gonna be reading this very Christmas, uh, familiar Christmas story. But before we jump into that, I actually wanna start 500 years before the birth of Jesus with, with a guy named Daniel. You, you, know, you know Daniel, Daniel and the lion's den, right? That's, that's kind of the famous Daniel story. Uh, but, but Daniel is, is really significant because he's one of the advisors for this king named Nebuchadnezzar. And Nebuchadnezzar has gone into Israel and has brought a, a bunch of Israelites into Babylon. They've taken them into exile. And Daniel was a nobleman in Israel, but he becomes a nobleman in Babylon as well. He's an advisor to the king. He's one of the king's trusted uh, counselors that he would go to. And he was part of this group called the magicians or the magi. So Daniel was one of the original magi. It's pretty interesting. And so, so what, what, what the, the king would do is if he had a dream or if he needed counsel on something, he would go to this group and be like, hey, what do you think about this? And so he has this dream that's got him really messed up. It's got him really frustrated, really worried. And so he goes to the, the magi and he's like, I want you to interpret this dream. And he's like, no, 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 I'm not even gonna tell you the dream. I just want you to interpret. I want you to know what the dream is and then interpret it. And the magi are like, there's no way we can do this. And he's like, oh, and hey, by the way, if you don't do this, I'm gonna kill you. So this dude was kind of messed up. Not only kill you, but cut you into pieces and burn your houses down. The dude had some issues. Like he's got some issues. And so they're like, there's no way we can do this. But Daniel finds out about it. He gets Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, another famous trio, right? From a story, uh, the fiery furnace. He gets them together and he's like, hey, will you guys pray together about this? I'm gonna go to the king. I'm gonna pray that God tells me what the dream is and then gives me the interpretation. And God does it. How many know God answers prayer? He does. So God gives Daniel the dream and the interpretation. It's amazing. And part of this interpretation is a prophecy about a king that is going to come and establish his kingdom. Daniel chapter two, watch this. In the time of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that will never be destroyed, nor will it be left to another people. It will crush all those kingdoms and bring them to an end, but it will itself endure forever. He says there's gonna be a kingdom that comes that will last forever. Well, we just talked about that during our worship time, right? Isaiah's prophecy that says there will be a kingdom that never ends. So you have Daniel also looking forward to this kingdom that will never end. And he says, Nebuchadnezzar, your dream was about that. And Nebuchadnezzar's like, yeah, you're right. And so he lets all of them live. Not only that, but what Daniel does apparently is he ties that prophecy to an earlier prophecy that took place in Numbers chapter 24 that says this, a star will come up out of Jacob and a scepter will rise out of Israel. So, there, so these magi who for hundreds of years from Daniel are looking forward to this unique star that's going to rise and bring with it this kingdom that will never end. Hundreds of years, 500 years. Isn't that amazing? So they see that, that's Christmas. There's this unique star formation. We don't know what it was, but it, it rises up and magi travel 
hundreds of miles for months, possibly even years, to meet this newborn king who will establish a new kingdom. That's Christmas. And that's where Matthew chapter two picks up. Verse one, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. And when King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. Now, King Herod is not really a king in the typical sense of the word. He's like a governor. So he's got, Rome has put him over this area as, as a way of kind of keeping peace. So he's not, he doesn't come from royal lineage or anything like that. He's just a, just a guy who's, who's designated to be over this by Rome, who was the occupying force. And, and so he's, he's kind of a crazy king himself. So he's, he, he's, he's very, thre- he's easily threatened. He's a classic narcissist. In fact, he, he kills people around him with, who threaten his, his, uh, his royalty. He kills his sons. He kills his wife. He's mo- very, very moody, and he acts out on his moodiness. And he called together, verse four, he called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, and he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. He's like, hey, listen, is this true? I'm, I'm curious. These guys have come. These magi have come hundreds of miles. They're looking for this king. Where is this king supposed to be born? And they said this, in Bethlehem in Judea. For this is what was written by the prophet. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. So the people who know all of like the prophecies are like, yes, it's gonna happen in Bethlehem. So check this out. Just in this message alone, in our few moments that we talked, we've looked at three different prophecies. We've, we've looked at a star that will rise, a government that will be established that will never end, and that and that a savior who will be born in Bethlehem. Jesus fills all of those. Not only that, Jesus fulfills over 300 others. Isn't that amazing? It's almost like God is laying these breadcrumbs all throughout history for us to find, for people to find that it would be undeniable that Jesus is in fact exactly who he says he is. He's not just a myth, he's not just a story, he's not just a nice thing that we, that we put a nativity around, he is the savior, he is the promised one, he is the Messiah, he is the king of kings, and he is the Lord of lords. And so we see that here, and there's, it's gonna happen in, in, in Bethlehem, in verse seven, then, he, then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out the exact time the star had appeared. Some people believe, uh, you know, could be a year or two years, And he says, go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me, so I too may go and worship him. Yeah, right. How many know that's like classic Disney villain stuff right there? You know what I'm saying? Like, can't you just see like Jafar from Aladdin saying something similar like that? Please tell me so that I may too go and worship him. Isn't that right, Yago? I mean, can't you just see that? Herod was threatened. Here's the deal. Herod was threatened by Jesus. Herod was king, but he was threatened by this other king. And this is why it's so uh, unfortunate. Because really, Herod just misunderstood what Jesus was about. Jesus wasn't about taking his throne 
because Jesus sat on a much greater throne already. <laughs> you know, Jesus, Jesus was the king of kings from the beginning of time. He, he wasn't after this little governorship. But it's interesting because I think what happens for a lot of us, that's how we look at Jesus. We look at Jesus as a threat to our kingdom. We look at Jesus as a cosmic killjoy, right? It's like, if you haven't been in church, maybe you felt like this, maybe you're new to church or maybe you're just visiting today and you've had this sentiment. You're like, man, I see Christians and, 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 and they just look like they're part of the no fun club. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's like, man, wherever they are, it's, it's grumpy, it's judgy. And, and you're like, I don't want any part of it. Because you feel like God has come to take your joy from you, but it's actually the reverse. God doesn't come to take our joy from us. He actually comes to take the things that we think will bring us joy and actually give us real joy, him, relationship with God. And that's why King Herod, just, he had his priorities just, just messed up because he was more focused on himself. I wanna encourage you with this. When you think about Christmas, don't think about God coming to take joy from you or take a kingdom from you, but actually to establish his kingdom inside of you. John three says this, for God so loved the world that he gave. It's not God so hated the world. God was so ticked at the world. He so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him, it's simple as belief, faith shall not perish, but have eternal life. Why? For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. That's what God came to do. That's what Christmas is about. It's about God saving the world. Matthew chapter two uh, continued. Verse nine says, after they had heard the king, they went on their way. And the, and the star that they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. Now, most scholars believe this is, this is long after that first Christmas or the first night of Christmas. This is months, probably even years. So Jesus is a child at this point, no, no longer a baby. And when they saw the star, they were what? Come on, everybody say it with me. Overjoyed. Were they upset? Were they threatened? No, nah, they were overjoyed. Because when you find Jesus, that's what you find. You find joy. And on coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshiped him. Think about how cool this is, all right? Again, this is such a familiar story that we miss it. These are noblemen who have traveled hundreds of years following a star, and now they see the one that they have heard about for a long, long time the one who was promised, and they worship him. You know, it's interesting. We, we spend a lot of time worshiping today. That's what our Christmas is, is centered about. And it's, and it's important because, you know, we all worship something. All of us. Whether you're a Christ follower or not, you worship something, don't you? Some of us will worship, will worship money. We worship wealth. Some of us will worship status, what people think about us. Some of us will worship our addiction. But the reality is whatever we worship defines us, doesn't it? If you worship money, it's all you think about. 
It's, it's on your mind all the time. You're constantly checking your bank account. You're constantly checking your portfolio. You're consumed with how much money you have. And you're talking about it all the time and you're telling everybody how much money you have and how much money you're making and all, it's all, and it will define you. And the reality is though, if something other than God defines us, it ends up destroying us. This is how it works. You will worship something, but if that thing is not God, it will destroy you. These magi understand that Jesus is what this whole thing is about and because of it, they worship and they bring gifts. Watch this. They opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, because that dude was crazy, they returned to their country by another route. Now, here's what I want to take a few moments with us before we worship again. A few moments. You've heard the story a bunch. Why do they bring three gifts? We think there are probably actually many more magi than three. We just say there's three wise men because they bring three gifts, but there's probably a whole caravan of these magi. But they bring three gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Why? Because they are worshiping Jesus for who he is in three different ways. They're worshiping him as king, they're worshiping him as priest, and they're worshiping him as savior. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. I wanna take a few moments and break that down for us, and then we're gonna respond uh, with worship. Okay, first of all, they worship him as king. It's king. When you, when you met a king in that day, it was a big day, as it would be for us today. Can you imagine getting a chance to meet a king? It didn't matter what country. Any country would suffice. Any country would be a good day, right? It's like, you're gonna go meet the king. Even if it's Switzerland, small little country. I, I, does Switzerland even have a king? I'm not sure. If they did, it'd be great to meet the king. And that'd be a big day. You'd probably put on some nice clothes. You'd probably take a shower. You'd probably, you know, clean up a little bit because you're gonna go meet a king. And when you come before a king, you bring a gift. And, and that day, you brought gold because you wanted to show how worthy the king was. You wanted to express worth to the king. I, I recognize how important you are. I recognize your place. And that's what these magi are doing. They're recognizing Jesus's place. They're making him king of their lives. They've traveled hundreds of miles to say, you are what this whole thing is about. It's not about me. It's not about my opinions. It's not about all of the stuff. It's about the king of kings and the Lord of lords, the promised one, the anointed one, the Messiah, the one who was sent to come and lead us into righteousness. That's what this is all about. It's looking to Jesus as king. I wanna encourage you today, this Christmas, look to him as king of your life. It just means saying, God, I'm gonna turn from my direction and I'm gonna turn towards your direction. I wanna follow you. I wanna make you the highest thing in my life, the thing that determines every other thing, the thing that gives worth to every other thing. It's you. When it's Jesus, everything becomes more worthy. Life actually makes more sense when Jesus is king. Life is more fulfilling when Jesus is king. Because the reality is he is king. But is he the king of your life? They also worship him as priest. They give him frankincense. Frankincense in that day would have been used to anoint a priest at, when they became a priest. And it would have been used by a priest when they would be offering the grain offering. 
So you have two things that are happening here. They're, they're basically saying, you're saying, they're saying, uh, the Magi are saying to Jesus, we see you as the anointed king and as the one who will be a priest for us. And that's exactly who Jesus is. Because a priest, what a priest would do, see, a priest was cool because a priest met you where you were and he was like you, okay? So God is so different, but a, but a priest, he's human too. So he would, he would meet you where you are and be like, I got you, I'm gonna offer a sacrifice for you so that you can get to God. And so you're like, oh man, thank God for priests because they meet us where we are. And that's exactly what Jesus did. He, meet, he met people where they were in their brokenness. He, he meets us where we are in our shame, in our sin, in our distance. And he comes and he says, I see you. I see you and I love you and I'm gonna go to God, I'm gonna connect you back to God. That's what a priest does. So, so Jesus is our priest. He's the one who offers a sacrifice. But this is what's cool about Jesus. Not only does he offer the sacrifice, he is the sacrifice. And that's the third gift, the myrrh, savior. They worship him as savior. They worship him as savior. Myrrh in that day was, was most commonly used as an embalming fluid for the dead. So can you imagine, you know, it'd be like giving somebody a coffin for Christmas. I don't know, I just thought maybe you might enjoy this. I know he's young, but you never know. Head scratching. Like, I don't know, you may just put it in the corner. I don't know, you may just sleep in it. What, I don't know, it's just, here it is for you. Like, a little bit weird, right? Can you imagine Mary and Joseph, like, they get the gold, they're like, oh, this is great. Gold, we can use this, yeah, college fund for Jesus. That's great, okay. Then they get the frankincense. They open up the frankincense. Oh, this is gonna be great. Our house is gonna smell amazing. Then they open up the myrrh, and they're like, are you kidding me? For real? This is what you give me? But it's actually amazing because the Magi understand that he's king, he's priest, and he's savior. He's actually the one who will be offered up on our behalf. He, he will die, but he will also be raised again. He will pay the, the penalty for our sin and take our sin from us. That's why Jesus came, Matthew chapter one. From the very beginning, when the angel appears to Joseph, it says this, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. This is why Christmas is so amazing because Jesus saves us from our sins. Woo! Yeah! Some of you are like, why are we getting excited talking about sin? Why do we have to talk about sin at Christmas? We should just talk about fun things like gingerbread and Santa Claus. Let's keep the sin out of Christmas. We can talk about sin at Easter. No, we're gonna talk about sin today. It's why he came. Why does that matter? 
Because you know, sin is what's messing up our world. Do you know sin is what's messing up your life? Do you know the dysfunction you have in your life, the anger you have in your life, the discord you have in your life? It's because of sin. The family struggles, the family strife, the stuff that's not right in the world, the stuff that we say, someone should do something about that. It's because of sin. And you know what? Somebody did something about that. His name is Jesus. And he came. Why? To save us from our sin. Because we couldn't do anything about it. We couldn't change ourselves. We couldn't save ourselves. The Bible says that even, even your, best, your best efforts aren't enough. It's not enough. But God, does, but, but God comes and does what we can never do. He lives a perfect life and then sacrifices himself on our behalf. He is the king who is worthy to be followed. He is the priest who connects us to God. And he is the savior who sacrifices himself. That's what the myrrh is all about. And not only does he, not only does he go to God for us, but what he, ends up, what he ends up doing, he gives us the opportunity to access the power of God here and now. So not only does he take our sins from us, he gives us a new heart to live different. That's why Christmas is worthy of worship. It's worthy of celebration. Our great king is also our priest and has become our savior and giving us a new way. I wanna share a great story of life change uh, of a, a great family in our church that has experienced this very thing. Let's watch. We met at a bar. I was an alcoholic and that's the only place I was gonna be. We talked, oh, hours, hours. every day. My MO at that point was pretty much when things get a little serious, I, you gotta push them away, keep them at arm's length, and she wouldn't let me. So glad that she didn't let me. So in November of 2003, we uh, started our life together. It was 2006 before we ended up married. He had to put this particular woman in my life, otherwise I would not be where I am today. I made a, a huge mistake and it, and it started me on a path of destruction for a long time. I had an addiction that I kept everybody at arm's length and, and that included God. My rule early on was that I only drank in social circles. And then I broke that rule and I started drinking at home. I, I knew the path, but I wasn't willing to give it up. It was exhausting you know, worrying about it myself and walking on eggshells, but yet at the same time having uh, two kiddos at home that you didn't want him to see that. He'd get pretty angry. And, um, you know, so I did a lot of smoothing. Every time that I would uh, take a break from drinking, I, I would um, have withdrawals. I could work, but as soon as I came home, I went straight to bed. Um, I couldn't be around him for, you know, a few days. I was losing the will to fight this addiction. I was driving home from work, and I knew that if I went home that day and, and had a drink, that was going to be the last time I stopped. 
I was, uh, I was one. I was one drink away from never stopping again. And I, I completely broke down and I asked God for help. Oh my goodness. He answered, he answered so much more than that. I had no desire to have a drink from that point forward. It didn't stop there because, you know, I, I had been through withdrawals and, and, uh, and I had none. There's not enough words to say how grateful that I am and how much mercy and grace that he has shown me. For the first time in our marriage, I didn't feel like I was coming home walking on eggshells, wondering when he's gonna ask for the next bottle of vodka. I came home to my husband and I just love him. Early 2004, she started getting me to go to church. I hadn't given my heart because it you know, that the addiction just kept me from it. But this time, man, Pastor Scott had asked um, if anybody wanted to give their heart to Christ and, and I raised my hand. What I found was that um, he forgives you for, for everything, no matter what it is, uh, he, he will forgive you. She told me that, that I should forgive myself and uh, that's, that's what's done it. Our last three to five years have been the most amazing years. It's all God. Like the grace and the, just the relationship that you can have with him and it has completely reflected in our marriage and he has just been ever so present for every moment and every step. And I just knew he was always there. Mm. He healed me from alcoholism. He has shown me mercy and grace that um, I don't deserve, and he's the absolute best thing that's ever happened in my life. Come on, can we just thank God for that great story? Isn't that just fantastic? I love that. I've loved watching that every single service because it, it just speaks of this eternal truth that when you worship God, he gives worth to your, to your journey and he makes your journey worth it. Just like those magi. That's what he does. He, he takes the things that we think are gonna satisfy our soul, the, the sinful things, the selfish things. He takes that from us and he gives us a whole, he gives us a whole different perspective. He gives us a whole different outlook and I, I love what David said in that video, he said, or, or, or what Lori said, he was talking about being present. Being present. I think it's so easy to not be present, isn't it? It's so easy to be distracted by all of the other things and, and we try to like almost numb ourselves to life if, if, if we don't have something greater to live for. What Jesus gives us is something greater to live for, and what he does is he brings meaning and purpose to every interaction, every conversation. That's what he does. He, he was present with us so that we could present ourselves to God and then be present with others. How beautiful. The gift of Christmas. The gift of Jesus. 
and it's real. It's real. It's not myth. It's not fiction. It's not religion. It's real. And it's activated by faith. When we put our faith in God, he gives us his peace. When we give God, when we, when we confess our sin and we turn to him, we say, Lord, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to follow you. He gives us salvation. This is the best deal ever. We give God our brokenness. He gives us his wholeness. We give God our shame. He gives, he shares a bit of his glory. He brings peace to our hearts. We give God our sin and he, he restores us and he makes us new. That's what's available in Jesus. That's why Christmas is so beautiful. It's God being present with us. But what we have to do is say yes to him. And so I wanna, I wanna take a moment and just invite all of us to do that today. Can we, can we pray? Father, thank you so much for this amazing gift. It is so much more than a story. It is so much more than just an event. God, it is the presence of God in the person of Jesus making himself at home with humanity that does not deserve him and making us worthy and making our journeys worth it, making our journeys worthwhile. And God, I thank you for that. And I pray that, Lord, that, that spirit, the true spirit of Christmas would activate in our hearts today and help us to respond to you with faith. Help us to respond to you with, with hope and joy and worship giving you the most important gift, our lives, back to you. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I want to take a moment, and with that thought, I want to ask you, have you, have you given Jesus the greatest gift that he could ever ask for? You. That's what Jesus, that's what Jesus wants at Christmas, is, is you. That's crazy, but it's true that the Son of God is so interested in us that that's what he wants. God so loved the world that he, that, that he gave. It's God's heart that no one should perish, but all of us would come to everlasting life. That's God's heart for all of us, and it happens, it happens when we respond back to God and say yes. And so if you're here today and you haven't said yes, God wants to know you and he wants to have a relationship with you, but it's gonna have, you, you, you have to say yes. And I wanna give you an opportunity to say yes to God. If you're here today and you're away from God, you've, you've gone your own way, you've turned your back on God, or maybe you've never made a decision to follow God before, but you're here today and God is speaking to your heart, you wanna say yes. I wanna give you an opportunity to do that. And it's simple, it's faith. It's just about putting your faith in God. And I'm going to count to three here in just a moment. When I get to three, I just want you to uh, raise your hand and say, yes, that's me. I want to follow God. And that act of faith, as you put your faith in the Lord, will begin a work in your heart, an eternal work. Salvation will take place in your life. So I'm going to count to three in a moment. I want to, I'm going to ask you to make a bold stand. Say, just raise your hand and say, that's me. I want prayer. I want to know God. Maybe for the first time or for the first time in a long time. I'm going to count to three. You just raise your hand and say, Scott, that's me. Would you pray for me? One, God is here and he loves you. Number two, he is the king 
He is the priest and he is the savior and he can be your savior if you put your faith in him. Three, just lift up your hand and say, Scott, I wanna know Jesus. Come on, all across this place, just lift it up and say, yeah, that's me. Hands going up everywhere. I see it, I see it, I see it. Come on, hold it up. Nice and strong and proud. Let God see it. That's most important. Yeah, hands going up. I wanna just make my way all throughout the space. Just hold it up every, everywhere. Yeah, that's awesome. Hands going up everywhere over here. This section, amazing. God's gonna do something powerful in your life. This is your opportunity. Come on, you're here today and you're saying, I, I want to know Jesus. Just hold up your hand and say, I want to know Jesus. And I want God to make his home in my heart. Yeah, that's awesome. Father, I thank you for every person who is responding today. I pray that God, a new work would happen in their hearts. I pray that a new salvation work would take place. And that God, you would, you would bring what is dead to life. You would bring what is lost, you would make it found. God, you would make what is hopeless, you would make it into hope. And, and, and hopefulness, Lord, let that happen today in the name of Jesus. And Father, we thank you for it. We give you praise for what you are doing in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Church, will you stand with me? I just want to take a, a quick moment and respond back to God and just worship. We've heard the word. We've, we've been in God's presence. I want to sing a, a familiar Christmas carol, but I just want us to worship and I want us to adore and just take a few moments, we're, we're, we're almost done, but I don't wanna leave this place without taking a moment and saying, God, I'm gonna give you my best gift, which is, which, is, which is ultimately my heart. And whether you made a decision to follow Christ for the first time, or maybe you're, you're a follower, but you just wanna, you're a follower of Christ, but you just wanna rededicate your life in a sense of recentering, which we all need to do every day, just recentering our hearts. Can we do that today? Can we recenter our hearts at Christmas? Would you lift your hands all across this place? And let's just reset our hearts. God, we thank you for your goodness. We invite you to be the centerpiece of our lives. We invite you to be the one we adore. We worship you. We, we love you. We seek you. And we make you the most important thing to us. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm asking those who are going to be praying for people to come down to the front. If you need prayer for anything, come. Let us pray for you.